Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Last week, we were discussing the mysterious death of Rebecca Zahau, and we left off when Adam Shacknai found the body of Rebecca hanging from her balcony. My name is Sophia Talley, and this is True Crime Internet. So before I get started, yes, I'm still working on my sock. And also I have a slightly different camera angle. I'm trying something new so that way you can see my knitting better. And hopefully that works. And I may be playing with it every now and then. So apologies, but let's get started. As soon as Adam finds Rebecca's body hanging from her balcony, he claims to have immediately dialed 911. Now this 911 call is absolutely bizarre. And I say that because there's a lot of pausing on both sides. The operator clearly is not that experienced. And Adam is doing things during the call, but he is not saying what he is doing. And so let's just listen to that call right now. Normally, I don't like playing 911 calls in their entirety. But for this episode, I think it'll be best if we at least look at the first part of the 911 call, like the first few minutes, because This is where a lot of strange things happen that can then affect how you view the case. So let's give it a listen. Emergency, what are you reporting? Yeah, uh, I, I got a girl hung herself in the guest house of, uh, it's on Ocean Boulevard across from the hotel, same place that you came and got the kid yesterday. Okay, so what is the address? I'm not sure. Uh, 19, I'm in mean, the back house, is 1928 something. Uh, I'm not sure. Let me call you back. Okay, sir, is she yeah. still alive? I don't know. Okay. Uh,
Are you alive? No, sir, I need the address. You came here yesterday to pick up a little boy. Okay, sir, I wasn't working yesterday. I don't know what you're talking about. records. Sir, I checked all of the records yesterday. I can't find anything on Ocean Boulevard. Can you tell me what the address is? I'm looking. Just start sending them towards the, toward the hotel. Okay, I understand that. I just need the exact address. I can't help you until I have the address. Ocean Ten forty three Ocean. Okay, yeah. is she still alive? I don't think so. Okay, let me get the fire department. Sir, hang on. Let me get the fire department on the phone to help you. Okay, hang on just a minute. So the first thing he says is, "I got a girl hung herself." And then he goes on when they ask where, you know, he is, he says, same place you got the kid yesterday. And this wording is so bizarre. I've heard people call it dissociative because that kid that they got, by the way, it wasn't yesterday. It was the day before that kid was his nephew, his own brother's son. It wasn't like some kid off the street. And that's the way he made it sound. Now, of course, we all act kind of weird during these times when we're under extreme stress and shock. I mean, the body of his brother's girlfriend is hanging in front of him. And he's the only one there, allegedly at the time, you know, that's some scary stuff. Did you see my stitch marker go flying? Knitting problems. But that is just some scary stuff. And then, so I'm just gonna just assume that that wording was just him trying to give a descriptive, some type of description of his location. Because unfortunately, he did not know the address. And unfortunately, the 911 operator did not know of the famous Breckles Mansion, which is now serving as a hotel just across the street from where the Zahals live and where Rebecca was staying. So it's just it's just normally 911 operators are very familiar with the area that they service. So it was just kind of odd to me that she just, you know, just did not she could not pinpoint where he was. And unfortunately, it's 2011. So they cannot, and I'm not sure if they even can do this now. I think they can. But in 2011, they cannot pinpoint where you are if you are calling from a cell phone. So because he called from his cellular device, you know, they couldn't locate him. 
And also while they're trying to figure out the address, he says, hey, can I call you back? And people find this weird. Like, what are you doing? You're, you're on a smartphone. You know, he was calling from his smartphone. Well, in 2011, if you were on the phone, you could not multitask and use your browser. This is fairly new technology, guys. Okay. Like, so it didn't surprise me when he said, let me call you back so I can look you up, look it up, because this is something I have said circa 2011. And I think we tend to forget how far technology has come since then. But after she asked for his location, something odd happens. He goes silent. He stops talking for a minute and a half. And oddly enough, so does the operator. They are both quiet, like they're not talking, but you hear a ton of rustling coming from Adam's end. It almost sounds like he's digging and looking for something. You also hear what sounds to be like someone trying to saw through rope. So I bet at this point you can guess what is happening. Before he can even tell 911 where he is, he is already cutting down Rebecca's body. And he's laying her down and is giving her CPR, just the chest compressions, which is, you know, the most important part in a case like this, but a little odd. And at this point, we some say that you can hear him talking. And it sounds like he's talking to someone. Now, he could be talking to Rebecca. And there is a point where the 911 operator asks him, is she still alive? And he actually calls out to Rebecca to see if she's still alive. So he he did talk to her at least one time during this call. That's that is confirmed. So he could have been talking to her then. However, there's people who believe that maybe there was someone else on the property with him and Rebecca. So shortly after calling 911, he calls his brother Jonah. No, he doesn't call Jonah. I'm sorry. I wish he called Jonah. He texted Jonah what happened, which it's so weird. It's so weird to text such a tragic thing to someone, but maybe he was just trying to keep his phone line clear, you know, but then you do have call waiting. I don't know. But he texted his dear brother that his girlfriend was most likely deceased. By the time police get there, you know, the body's already cut down. He actually cuts the rope or around her wrist, so that way they're no longer bound, so completely destroying a ton of evidence. And police pretty much don't have a lot to work with other than this body. They've noted that they couldn't find any other DNA at the scene besides Rebecca. And this to police hinted towards a suicide. However, we know that Adam claimed to be doing chest compressions on Rebecca's body. And so when you're that close to someone and putting on your body weight and pretty much breathing, huffing in their face, mind you, during this whole 911 call and Rebecca's family calls it out as well, we don't hear chest compressions. Chest compressions is when you put your whole body and you press really hard repeatedly. And I just don't hear that. He sounds clear all the way through when he starts talking again, almost as if he's not doing those compressions. But if he did do those compressions, then surely wouldn't there be DNA or something, a thread from his shirt, anything, especially if he's handling a knife around the body and cutting her 
down. So with not much gathered at the scene, they had to rely completely on autopsy and on Adam's testimony. That's all they had. And the autopsy showed some evidence of head trauma. Now, police thought that maybe she hit her head on the way down when she was, in theory, hanging herself and that she may have hit her head on the balcony. But the pathologist who came up with this hypothesis noted that he couldn't say this for sure because Adams cut the wrist bounds off of her. So he couldn't quite be sure the position of her body. On September 2nd, 2011, police concluded that Rebecca's death was suicide and absolutely nobody was buying it. Now, here's why. Remember, when Rebecca was found, her hands were bound behind her back and her ankles were bound and she was hanging from the balcony. Now, it's not unheard of for someone to tie themselves up before a, before hanging themselves. And they do this so that way they can't change their mind and manage to break free. So police just thought, you know, maybe that was why she was bound. But in order to support that claim, they had to have a woman reenact Rebecca tying herself up and police did this and they made a video of it for records for court and what's interesting is that the knot that they tried to recreate their knot was less complicated than the knot found on Rebecca's body so even though the rope was cut the knots were still like tied around each individual wrist and then the wrists were tied together so there was a lot of rope going on and in the police video their knot is clearly different from hers and clearly easier to do on yourself so that whole video does not help anybody absolutely nothing another interesting thing thing was that Rebecca was naked. And this is very rare when it comes to cases of suicide, specifically in women. Another interesting thing found at the scene was that on the door leading to the balcony, police found a message written in black paint that said, she saved him. Can he save her? And Rebecca was known to be a hobby painter, and she was known to sign her work in paint. But the handwriting on the door, according to her family, the handwriting on the door did not match the handwriting in Rebecca's paintings. And at the same time, it also didn't look like anything Rebecca would have painted. It wasn't her style or anything. And family had a hard time even thinking that Rebecca would even use that quote as, you know, a suicide note. Still baffled, police turned to Rebecca's phone records and they found two interesting messages. First, Nina. And Nina is Dina's twin sister. Remember, Dina is the mother of Max, the boy who is now in the hospital due to a fall that happened under Rebecca's watch. So Nina texts Rebecca and asks if she can come over to discuss Max's accident. And this happened at 1048 p.m. the night that Rebecca died. 
And Rebecca didn't respond to this text, rightfully so, because it sounds a little confrontational, in my opinion. Remember, I talked about this in the last episode, but Nina wasn't Rebecca's biggest fan. You know, Nina or Dina didn't particularly like Rebecca. At 12.50, Rebecca receives a voicemail from Jonah. And this voicemail allegedly said that Max's condition is getting worse. Now, we don't know for sure because Rebecca deleted this voicemail and police were unable at the time to, to I want to say redeem it, that's not the word, but to pull it out of, you know, the burrows of her phone's trash can. Now, like y'all know, if you delete evidence, police can find it regardless. But this is 2011. And while we're thinking of Max, at the time of Rebecca's death, Max was not doing too good. And unfortunately, a few days later, on July 16th, he died of brain damage caused by oxygen deprivation as a result of his injuries. So little Max passed on only a few days after Rebecca's death. And on July 26, Max's death was ruled as an accident. They believe that Max just suffered some type of fall just by somehow. They don't know how. All we know is that Rebecca said that the last thing Max said before falling unconscious was Ocean, which was the name of her dog. Maybe the dog was involved. Maybe not. We don't know. But the pathologists believe that Max just died of a tragic accidental fall. However, this finding was disputed slightly by the trauma doctor who examined Max while he was still in the care of the hospital and when he was still alive. And this doctor felt that the injuries were were not consistent with cardiac arrest and and brain swelling. And he thought maybe that Max suffocated prior to his fall. And Dina, Max's mother, is very open about the fact that she believes that Max's death was not an accident to the point where she actually puts this in her LinkedIn profile. I literally pulled this off her profile and it says... Of Max, he died tragically on July 16, 2011, as a result of highly suspicious traumatic injuries he sustained five days earlier inside his father's Coronado residence while under the supervision of his father's domestic partner. So, yikes. Not only does she mention that it happened while the father was, while he was in his father's care, but also while, also while being in Rebecca's care. And not even mentioning that it could have been an accident. Dina even runs an organization geared towards families who are struggling with co-parenting. And it's very interesting. It's all really good work, honestly, truly. It's all really important work. But it's just fascinating that that is clearly her stance. She believes that Max was not being looked at after properly. I mean, if you even just look at what was found at the scene, it was just his razor scooter, a bunch of soccer balls, the chandelier falling. The scooter was on top of him, hinting that he may have been using it at the time. So the fact that he was allowed to ride a scooter on the second floor was negligent. I'm going to be honest, that's negligent. And honestly, I'm having a hard time disagreeing with Dina on that particular point because Max was only six. Riding a scooter 
scooter on a second floor sounds like a good time to a six-year-old. They Six-year-olds need heavy supervision. And at the time, Rebecca was in the bathroom and her sister, Zena, was in the shower. I don't know how long Rebecca was in the bathroom for. It could have even been just a minute. But honestly, that's all it takes. And on the other side of things, we all have to use the bathroom. And we're not going to use the bathroom with someone else's kid in there with us. So take that as you will. So with Rebecca's death being ruled a suicide, Rebecca's family was not happy. So Rebecca's family actually exhumed Rebecca's body and hired their own pathologist to do another autopsy. And he found some chilling discoveries. What was thought to be a strangulation mark from the rope actually he thought it looked like manual strangulation. So he thought it looked like someone had man strangled Rebecca, possibly with their hands. He also noted that he believed because of her injuries that Rebecca's death was a homicide. So with this evidence, they were able to file a wrongful death suit against Adam Shacknai, Dina Shacknai, and her twin sister, Nina Romano. And, you know, they they won the case. After presenting all their evidence, the jury found Adam Shacknai responsible for the death of Rebecca Zahau, and they awarded Rebecca's family $5 million. Now, as for Jonah, Jonah did not get out of this without a few scrapes. First, Jonah's business began to suffer from all the negative publicity publicity brought on from the case and you know of people suspecting that he may have been involved in the death of his girlfriend and he also sent a cease and desist to Ann Bremner who was the lawyer working this civil case on behalf of the Zahal family she was their lawyer and he sent a cease and desist claiming that she was committing defamation during her investigation of the case. And it said she was highly insensitive on a human level and the harsh and unkind glare of a national media frenzy. But he didn't actually sue her. He just did this as kind of a warning to just, you know, leave him alone, essentially. And Jonah was essentially untouched in this civil case. And no one is for sure whether or not he was actually involved. I personally do not believe he was. He seemed to genuinely care for Rebecca. He was reportedly grieving heavily the loss of her and then had to turn around and grieve the loss of his son. And so he really struggled during this time. And then on top of that, the publicity bought on bad business. He honestly lost everything here. You know, he still had his money, but probably every ounce of happiness here just was gone. And the only one to have benefited from this death was... Nina and her sister Dina, who have publicly stated that they felt that Rebecca was not doing a great job in taking care of Max and Adam, who may have been angry at Rebecca for allowing his nephew to die under her watch, which isn't fair. But, you know, when you're going through that grieving process, anger is one of 
the stages. So what do you think about all of this? I am very curious to know your thoughts, whether or not you believe that Rebecca's death was a retaliation against Max's accident and subsequent death, or whether or not it was a suicide. It's such an unlikely suicide that most people lean towards her death being a homicide. But life is strange. My name is Sophia Talley, and this has been True Crime and Knit. For more information, please visit www.thedrugknitter.com slash true crime. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.